Shall we just pray? Pastor Michael's going to come and share. We just thank you, Father God, for Pastor Mike Epton. We thank you for his service. We thank you for his faith. We thank you for his ministry. We thank you for his, his life. And as he comes and shares this evening, we pray that you would refresh Michael as he comes and brings your word. We pray that it would speak and challenge our hearts with power in the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you send forth your word and it heals us. We thank you that your word is sharper than a double-edged sword. It opens up heart, life, soul, and spirit. We pray that Michael this evening will have a tremendous liberty, freedom uh, in your spirit as he comes and shares. And we open our hearts to hear. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. Good evening. Good to see you all here. It's great that we can come and we can spend that time as we did just now, just waiting on the Savior. Uh, One of the most beautiful things I think that happens in church is when we shut up. I know it sounds strange because, of course, being a Pentecostal church, naturally we have to be shouting hallelujah and amen and jumping up and down on the spot and all that kind of thing. However, the amazing truth is that God loves and respects and indeed enjoys the time when we're just quiet and we're able to hear him and know his voice. And there's nothing like hearing the voice of the Savior. You might not think you can do that. You might think, oh, well, you know, this was stuff back in the Old Testament when the Lord would come and talk to people, like Adam and Eve, for instance, in the garden, you know. He just came down and had supper with them. But you know what? The Savior is real. And if you can understand this and get it in your heart and mind, when you're walking along or when you're in your home or when you're standing washing the dishes, whatever it is you do, if you can just think for a moment by the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is here. We know he's physically not, but the Holy Spirit of God, the third part of the Trinity, is the very power and essence and very reality of the living Savior. And he walks with us. And he talks with us. And the song used to go and he tells us we are his own. And the joys we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. It's one of those old songs with words like tarry, tarry in it and all those kind of things. What I do believe, however, is that if we understand that, then we're never going to be afraid because we're never alone. And if you can understand that in the sense of the power of the Holy Spirit, he is within you. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you got saved. You came to the cross by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the day you gave your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit started a work in you. Now, he wants, however, to carry that power through. It wasn't a one-off thing. I'll explain what I mean very simply. In 1 Corinthians 4.20, it says these words, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And I love power. Obviously, you don't. (laughs) If you get a negative and a positive piece of wire together and you hold them like that, very carefully, you won't see anything. And you won't get any power. But when you put the two parts together, which is not advisable, by the way, don't do it at home. But if you put the two parts together, you'll get a flash. In other words... When you make that connection and you put the two parts together, negative and positive, 
you create something of absolute power. We often think that we are negative, you know, by nature, by human nature. We feel we're inferior. We're not, we're not good enough. God couldn't possibly want to use me. Well, I've got news for you. For all your inferiority and mine, he still wants to use you. He still wants to bless you. Pastor and I were talking just before the service. It doesn't matter what lifestyle, what the situation is in our world. God might not like what we do sometimes, but he still loves us. Never allow the enemy to tell you that you're a failure. Remember this. It's only the enemy that ever tells you you're wrong. He's the one who always casts doubt upon your validity, how serious you are, how sincere you are, how much God possibly could or could not love you. That's the enemy talking. For in the Savior's eyes, and Father God, when he looks at you, looks through the prism of the blood that his son shed on Calvary, which cleanses all sin. He looks at you with favor. He looks at you with desire. Pastor is talking at this moment about 2020, uh, in more than ways than one. And the reality is, of course, that God wants us to have a clear view. And the only way to have a clear view, and I said it last week, is to keep your eyes focused, not down here, but up there. Always. I must just put a caution there. Don't please do that when you're walking along the road. I did. In Margaret Avenue all those years ago, uh, back in 1940, whatever it was, um, we, were, uh, we were having fun, walking to church, as we always did on a Sunday morning, not to church, because church actually was in Beeston where we used to go before my father started the church in our house. And we were walking along there, of course, and I was always in the habit of walking backwards. I was good at that. The only snag was my mother once shouted me, Michael, watch out. So I turned round in time to smack my face on the lamppost. If my mother hadn't said watch out, I'd have been okay. <laughs> However, wisdom says, please keep your eyes forwards. Pastor was talking about legacy. Legacy is all about looking forwards. Always accepting that whatever we've got today, God has much more for you tomorrow. Your tomorrows are in his hand, just as yesterday's were. And he doesn't ever fail to turn up. I don't like that phrase particularly well. I've seen and heard people many a time, Lord, we invite you to come. Please don't do that. This is his place. He was here before you were. How dare we invite him into his own house? What nonsense. I believe Andrew might be visiting us tomorrow. Now, you know, he's welcome to come through the door. But I live there, of course. I'm sure he won't walk through the door and say, I'm glad that you could come. But we do. We, we somehow have this view. We walk through that door and somehow, you know, we, we, we're coming into a thing that's not really, this isn't ours, but whose is it? Well, I've got news for you. It's God's place. He's on the throne. He's in charge. When the worship people are worshipping and they're feeling the Holy Spirit move and they go to a quiet mode, that's God. Don't criticize them. Don't think that they're, you know, wasting time. They're not. They're doing what the Holy Spirit says. And sometimes it is good to be quiet. We talked last night, last, not last night, but last time I was talking here, about Isaiah. And, you know, in Isaiah, it makes it very simple. We, we were talked about, of course, what was going to happen when we 
turn our back on the old things and don't concentrate on all that. But want to just move on a little bit, if I may, and forgetting all that those things, but 43 earlier on says these words, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. That is an amazing promise. The Lord God Almighty has made it clear that sometimes we can feel overwhelmed. Sometimes we can feel the waters around us of life are too much. And we are struggling and we are fearful of drowning. He's made a promise. It will never happen. While ever you're focused on him and you're knowing him as Savior and Lord, then you are secure in him. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. In a spiritual sense, we should take that on very clearly. See, the Holy Spirit wants to pour his power into our lives in a very real way. And he wants us to know the wonderful sense of the, the torrent, the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives in the sense of feeling like the waters are coming and we step into the water. I love that story of Peter. He's a man after my own heart. I'm going to talk to him about the glory. He's, we've got a lot in common. He used to open his mouth and put his foot in it quite recently. But you know, Peter had got an experience with God that not many people had. And when Jesus was walking on the water towards him, and it was a stormy night, he looked and he saw the Savior, and he said, I'm coming to you. And the Savior said, well, come on then. And so he got out of the boat. Now, in that boat at that time, not all of them were fishermen. Some of them were tax collectors. Some of them were businessmen. And they thought he was mad. Even those who were fishing people, John and so on, they looked at him and said, what on earth are you doing? You must be crazy. He climbed over the side and he walked on the water. And you know, he was perfectly secure while his eyes were on Jesus. The problem came when he looked at the wind and the waves around him. And then he started to sink. But he was near enough to Jesus for him to reach out and lift him up. And they walked back together to the boat. That's the kind of thing we're talking about tonight. There are things in life that will happen. There are times when you will feel in that sense that you are going to sink because you're aware of the problems, you're aware of the difficulties. Pastor's already referred to them tonight. But never allow them to be something that would take your eyes off Jesus. For while you keep your eyes on him, it will be well, no matter how awful or difficult it may seem. The power of the Holy Spirit comes down, the fire will fall in Pentecost on that time in Acts when all the people were there together, about 120 of them, and they were praying and they were just sitting and waiting for God to do something. And then suddenly the fire came. I noticed in the scripture it says they were all together in one place of one accord. When you come into here, I trust that you'll be able to come in and just sit into the presence of the Savior. Know the power of the Spirit that's here. When I was a pastor of a church, I could tell who'd had a bad week. Just by looking at the congregation, I could see the cloud. One over there, one over there, and somebody in the balcony. We had a church to see the 500 in Edinburgh. And, you know, you could see that things were not altogether well. And it was beautiful as the service went on, and people came into high praise, and they stood and worshipped the Savior. 
the musicians were doing what they were doing, and everybody was doing in the sense of focusing on the Savior and looking unto him. And suddenly the cloud would lift, and the light would come in their faces. The joy of the Lord would be their strength. And those who came in weary and feeling ill, they would walk out, walking on air. Because we'd preached a good sermon? No. Because Jesus was there. Because they met with the power of the Holy Spirit. More power. More power. Every time you come in here, you come in here to be, if I may put it this way, recharged. Because in the, in the world, in the week, things drain you. Circumstances, stuff that comes by your way. And it takes a little bit more out of you. A little bit more out of your walk and relationship with Jesus. But if you just simply will come with an open heart and open mind, the Holy Spirit will fill you with absolute power, no less than he did on the day of Pentecost. He's not changed. He's the same God. He's the same power. He's the same creator. In 2 Chronicles 6, you will see on 7, when Solomon built the temple, he'd done a wonderful job. His father got the materials together, but because of his lifestyle, David wasn't allowed to build the temple. But Solomon did. And then they had a marvelous dedication service. And Solomon prayed a marvelous prayer. Really, when you get home, when you're stirring your cocoa. And we look at there, and Solomon was praying, and it was a marvelous prayer, but it was very long. When he had finished praying, the Bible says, the fire fell. Remember what I read at the beginning? The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. When Elijah was on Mount Carmel, and he would got that challenge going on with the prophets of Baal and all that's going on there. I'm telling you about four different sermons here at the moment. But the fact is that he'd got them all together and he said, okay, you do your sacrifice thing. And it, it went on, as you know. And they made a right performance of it and they were cutting themselves and eventually they destroyed the, the old altar and everything else. And so being a man of God, of course, and I just said, oh, don't worry about it, that's okay. We'll just rebuild the altar and we'll dig a trench around it and fill it with water, which was in itself a scarity anyway. And of course, then he just stood back he didn't prance around, he didn't jump up and down, he didn't do anything extraordinary at all. He simply stood to one side and said, right, Lord, there's the sacrifice. And to put it in simple terms, over to you. He stood well back. The fire came. It consumed the sacrifice. It consumed the stones. Now, all you clever people will know, it takes a lot of heat to melt stone. The water was all lapped up and there was just a black patch left after it all. And the people at that moment said, oh, the Lord, he is God. Yes, well, good for you. You've just seen the most powerful miracle of life. The Holy Spirit of God has sent down the fire and it's come down and burnt the sacrifice. When you read the story of Solomon in the temple, he made out the sacrifices, laid them all out ready for the moment when that would come. Now, under normal circumstances, of course, the priest would be the man who would get his vest bone that matches out, and he would he would light the offering. But of course, Solomon didn't, and the priest didn't. In fact, God, when Moses, when sorry, when Solomon said "Amen," 
the fire came. And it burnt up all the offering and everything else. And it says the priest couldn't enter into the temple because of him. Because of the power and the presence of an almighty God. I've been privileged to be in services where that's exactly how it's been. I couldn't preach because there was too much of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Michael, shut up. Don't say anything. I know there will be a lot of people who say that's a good idea. But when God says it, something rather wonderful happens. For lives are changed. Because the Holy Spirit can do things more powerfully, more wonderful than any word can. It's not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. I would love tonight that all of you would know the power of the Holy Spirit who is so wonderful. I got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was eight years old in that tin shed on the back garden in Margaret Avenue all those years ago. The Holy Spirit isn't any respecter of person. He's not bothered how old you are, which is a blessing, especially as pastors looking about this next decade. But the fact is, whether you're older or younger, it matters not to God. For he is the one who will inspire, he will bless. Why did he fill me? Simply because I was a young boy who could hear the worship and knew that I was supposed to be in bed and I just couldn't any longer put up with it. And my parents had said, now you stay in bed, you've got school in the morning, be a good boy. Well, I normally was, sort of. So I put on my trousers, which were short trousers, obviously over my long pajamas, so I don't want to think what I look like, but... Down I came, and I sat just in that little There was a little corner of a pew. Sat in there, and I just nudged myself in there, and I just was sitting there quietly, minding my own business. And they were all worshipping the Lord, and wonderful. And then suddenly, without any prompting from anyone, I was speaking in another tongue. Of course, my parents heard that looked up and heard this squeaky little voice and thought, oh dear, now what are we going to do? Well, they did what good parents would do. They told me off for disobeying them and then praised God because I'd been filled with the Spirit. But you see, the Holy Spirit, why did he do it? Because I was a simple, ordinary little boy. Theology wasn't in it. And I'm going to say something to you tonight. People can get themselves all knotted in theology. Forget it. It's not the point. If all that you've got tonight is that Jesus loves you, he's your Lord, your Savior, all that you've got is that the Holy Spirit is with you, he wants to empower you, he wants to equip you to be stronger for God, stronger in your life, stronger in everything you do. If that's all you've got, then that's all you need. You can read this Bible and don't look at me and say, well, you know, in the Bible, well, let me tell you something. The devil knows the Bible back to front. Every version of it. He really does. Has it made him Christian? No. Did it make him? No. Reading the Bible in itself is a wonderful exercise for you to be encouraged in the things of God. And the Holy Spirit will reveal things to you in the Bible if you tell him and ask him and say, look, would you please show me what this means? And he will. But be sure of this. When it comes to your having the power and the full measure of the Holy Spirit in your life, it's to do with how you are with him. And I'm going to simply make this easy for you. It works like this. When Solomon was in that temple and the sacrifices were laid there, that was consecration. 
The temple was being consecrated to the Lord to be used for the worship, the ministry, as a home for the Almighty God. Now, we know it wasn't God's home. It was where the Ark of the Covenant was going to be, that wonderful box with a cherubim on the top. We know that. But what, what Solomon was simply saying was, Lord, let it be a place where you will come with power and with authority. And when that fire came, now, making that sacrifice was a consecration. When the fire came, that was sanctification. And remember this. We talked last week about, well, not last week, the week, whatever it was, I've forgotten. Um, time flies by when you're my age. But, you know, we talked about forget the things of the past and so on, and God is going to do something new. All right? Now, when we look at that and we say, okay, Lord, let it be so, then the first thing we have to do is to lay everything on the altar. Whoever you are, however old you are or young, matters not, on the altar, consecrate it, give it to God. For that's what Solomon was doing with the temple that he had built, giving it back to God. Your life, your wife, your husband, your children, your brother, your sister, whoever, if you're just a young person here tonight and it's good to see some are, then your boyfriend and your girlfriend or whatever it is, but lay them on the altar for God, consecrate them, put them out there. And say, God, I want you to bless my life. I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to know your power. I want to know your glory. I want to see the miracles working through me. Then whatever's in your world, your job, your home, whatever it is, lay it on the altar for God. Say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm giving it back to you. And then stand back and wait for the fire. For he will come in power and authority and he will sanctify, purify, separate, separate it for his glory. Very simple. You consecrate, he sanctifies. There's no shortcut to that. Once you do that, then you see God move in power and in authority. I believe with all my heart that everybody in this church has the right to believe that the Holy Spirit of God can move in them, in moving you, and you have as much right and possibility in Jesus' name to walk up to sick people and pray for them, and they will be healed. Now, don't tell me you can't. There's no such word. When I was doing children's ministry, which I used to do from time to time, I would take a piece of paper and I would talk about a boy who was always saying to his mother, I can't. She'd say, wash the dishes, I can't. Go and do the shopping, no, I can't. Always saying, can't. So I would get this piece of paper, fold it over and cut a T out of the middle of the paper. I'd say, there you are, there's the T, out of can't. Let's put it on one side. There we are, done. So now we can. I'm talking to children, by the way, at this point. And they, and they would all look, and I'd say, now, do you think, and I would point to somebody in the, in the church, it didn't matter who it was, the tallest person probably. Now, do you think they can get through this hole in this piece of paper? And they would say, oh, no, you can't. Oh, no, 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 wait a minute, here's the tea. I do, can't you? Of course we can. And then I would make a few snips in the paper, and I would open it up, and yes, I got a piece of paper big enough to put a person through. A simple little trick, but it showed the point. Don't tell God what you can't do. 
The enemy is good at that. Don't you start it. Because you can. The word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He gives us power for the moment. He will give us the way ahead. And if you're feeling very weary and run down and say to me, well, you know, I'm getting a bit older nowadays. I'm not so agile as I used to be. That's okay. Nobody is. Even the young people think that they're agile, but they're not really. Just younger, that's all. Let me read Isaiah 40 to you. This is what it says. In verse 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired, see I told you, and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And here's the thing. They will soar on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Eagles have a marvelous view of life. A marvelous view so high, they can soar so high into the heavens. And the Lord says, if you can just trust me, no matter how weary you might feel, I'm going to give you strength. And even if you're a young person and you think, well, you know, it's all right for these older guys and people to talk. You know, they haven't got my life. They don't have to go to college. They haven't got all these problems. Well, some of us did do all that once upon a time. It may have been some years ago, but I went to college, Derby, Normanton Road there, doing engineering. When I was a lad, I was in school in Grange Road, uh, which is down Station Road, in case you don't know where it was. I don't know if it's even though it's still open. I haven't got a clue. However, what I do know is this, that we've been there. We've done that. As a young person, I got beaten up at school because I was a Christian. It's quite normal. It's all right. Don't worry about it. The blood soon gets washed off, and you're fine. You see, when we know Jesus, Savior and Lord, and he's real in our lives, things come. People come against you. But we can stand very clearly and truly upon the word of God. Trust him. Give him absolute authority in your world. Consecrate everything to him. Don't hold anything back. doesn't matter what it is. Say, Lord, I'm handing it to you. Your failings, your weaknesses, the things of the past, I read it last time. You, they're in his sea of God's forgetfulness. Don't go there. You're trusting him for the future, for a new day. And you want him to fill you with spirit and power. And I've been privileged in God. I mean, my father before me, of course, and my brother Paul still to this day, though we're both retired, of course, now. But the fact is, we're retired, but God hasn't. And when we pray, even today, we find that God does beautiful things. Why? Because we are who we are, the Epton clan? Nope. No, totally irrelevant. Just because at the time, wherever we are at that moment, we're just trusting the Savior. When I was a pastor of crew, we had a, I, did some, I always prayed for people anyway, of course. Sometimes whether they wanted it or not, but... I, I prayed for folk, and they would come forward. You know, and one lady came, she was deaf, and she came for me and said, Pastor, can you pray for me? I'm, I'm deaf. Well, I knew that. So I put my hands on her ears, and I prayed. And I felt her ears literally pop. And I thought, okay, that's okay. So I walked away from her, turned my back on her, and said, can you hear me? And she said, yes, I can. She sounded very surprised. I said, that's wonderful. 
I said, now keep that healing. Keep your focus on Jesus and you go from here because you're healed. She said, I will, Pastor. Touch wood. And she reached out and touched the cut <laughs> community table. So we don't want any touching wood. I just know that whether I was preaching in New York or down in Texas or up in Michigan or wherever I was over in India or Papua New Guinea or Philippines, whatever, Nigeria and so on, you know, wherever I've been, I've seen God be God. He, he is no respecter of person. He doesn't care what you know or you don't know. He just loves you. And the important thing you need to know, he wants to fill you with his power. Not just a nice glow. My father used to say, it's a feeling that runs up your spine and knocks your hat off. He said, no, it's not that. And it's not. Some people say that's what love is. But it isn't, trust me. The fact is that, well, love is the thing that gets you through all the mess. You see. Isn't it? Yvonne and myself have been married for 55 years. In fact, some of our bridesmaids are still here tonight. Bless them. They've been waiting for us to come back since wedding. <laughs> we went for a reception, and, and they're still here. But, you know, when we talk about these things in God, time passes. But never underestimate what God can do with you. Remember, consecrate, he sanctifies. Give it to him. You'll see the focus, you'll see clarity, and you'll know the legacy of what he's going to do in the future. When my dad started that church in Margaret Avenue all those years ago, 1948, it was a simple act because he saw these young people walking around, some of them barefoot after the war with nowhere to go. And there were lots of teenagers and, and they just had no idea of what they could do with their life because the whole world was still in a mess. I mean, ration books still existed. I used to go along with my little ration book to the shop and get myself, not for myself, for my parents, the margarine and, and the sugar. Came in little bags and make it up. All very exciting stuff, which, of course, young people today wouldn't know anything about. But the fact is, it didn't matter because all of that in those days, my father had no idea. When we took this a hall, a room in this um, community center here, literally, 60, 70 years ago nearly, he had the young men, he put them up there and he gave them woodworking lessons so they could build things. They built toys and they painted them and sold them, didn't sell them, but they gave them to children for Christmas or whatever it was. It didn't matter. It was all means, by all means win some. When you go into the cafe on the corner of Oxford Street, which was once our church, above it, there's a billiard table. I don't know where it still is, a snooker hall up there. Father got one of those tables, and the young lads, he encouraged them to go up there, and he'd hire the hall for the night so they could play snooker. He got into terrible trouble with the head people at the church. How dare you? Young people playing snooker. That's not right. My father simply said, by all means, win some. But what was he doing? He was demonstrating it's not a matter of talk, but of power. That's what saved the young people of the day. Sunday morning when we came this morning, one of those young people, now a man in his 80s, going on for God, still the same. I know the God that can change lives. I know the God that can heal the sick.
can open blind eyes, can raise the dead. I've seen him do it. This isn't on television. It wasn't second-hand notice. It wasn't in the book. It's what I've seen with my own eyes. And God has been so wonderful and gracious. I just want you tonight to know that he loves you so much. Do not put yourself down. If you're in doubt, give it to him and he will sanctify it. He will separate it. He will make it blessed. He will make it pure. And he'll lift you up. And you will rise like the wings of an eagle. And you will run. Not literally, necessarily. I mean, you can if you want. But you will run. And you won't go weary. Walk. And you won't faint. Because you know the Savior who loves you. The one that you're walking on the water with Despite the storms, he's there and he has the power to reach out if you feel you're slipping. And it says he won't let the waters come over you. He will lift you up. Walk with him. Know him personally. Experience him as your savior, the lover of your soul. And wherever your days are tomorrow, what your chores are, what you're, whether you're at work or you're at home, whatever you're doing or at college Take him with you. I know he's with you. But you make a point of saying, Savior, I'm with you. And you're with me. Holy Spirit, come. And fill my life. I'm going to pray. That the Lord will bless you. And that he will give you, if nothing else today, what Pastor spoke about this morning. And you will have that clarity. You will understand He wants to give you something that goes way beyond today. A legacy for tomorrow. Sovereign Lord, we thank you that we're able to be here tonight and worship the living Christ. We thank you, Holy Spirit, because you are the power. The absolute authority that came on the day of Pentecost and you've been working in humankind ever since. We thank you because that power that you brought that meant that they could walk and disciples could minister And even Peter walking down a road, his shadow was enough to heal the sick. Lord, we think often of those days being Bible days. Oh God, I know they're not. Those days are here for 2020 in this church, in this place, in these lives. I pray, Lord, that we'll all be able to look to you and believe you to be our Savior, our Healer, our Redeemer, the Sovereign Lord, knowing that what we consecrate to you You will sanctify. You will bless. The fire will come, burn up all the rubbish, and bring us into a place of absolute glory and majesty in you. So, Lord, bless all these people here tonight, every one of them, from the youngest little one here tonight to the very oldest. May we see your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. We're going to give an opportunity to, um, you know, Pastor Mike has, has uh, spoken this evening, and led us in, a, in a, a general prayer, but it'd be great to respond to that as well with our hearts and minds, I think. I know that uh, Michael's um, heart and passion is to see people released in the power of God. That's his heart and passion, and that, that would be our desire this evening as well. And maybe you're here this evening, and, and Jesus said, if you come to me, I will give you rest. Uh, if, if you will lay your life on the altar, uh, 
then I will sanctify. I'll, I'll touch, I will touch that life. And, uh, you know, maybe tonight, you know, we're here, you're here. And, it, it, you know, our Christian faith is not just, it is, there is a sense where we do talk, but it's, it's power and life. And there's that opportunity for us just to lay hold of that. So perhaps if you could, if I could invite you, we're going to, we're going to sort of close in our evening, but we're going to worship together, going to sing together. We're going to give an opportunity for people. I, um, I received the filling of the Holy Spirit, um, when I was in a a non-Pentecostal church. Uh, it, it, it was, it was, it was, it was in my own bedroom as I opened up my heart and life to God. And I was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, we want to give an opportunity. Maybe you, 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 you're here this evening and you, you, you love the Lord Jesus Christ. You do read the Bible. You love to worship. But you haven't been released in that sense of the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, if you're not sure, I, I can assure you, you'd be sure if you had that, that anointing and release of the Spirit. And if you haven't, you're not sure, then we've given an opportunity just to pray this evening. Particularly Pastor Mike is going to, maybe I'm going to ask Mike, Michael to pray. But so should we stand together? And uh, that broad prayer that Michael prayed at the end, if that was something that you prayed and you would like, you know, him and one or two others would just gently pray for you to re- receive and be released in the experience of the power of the Holy Spirit, then let's just do that. Just give him our lives and let him come and touch them. Michael put that so beautifully. Let's give him our lives and let him come and touch them. The offering baskets will be coming round, but don't let that distract us. Let's worship him. And if you would like to receive or be released in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's as simple, as gentle as that, but yet powerful, then if you come forward, Pastor Mike is going to be here at the front and we're, we're just going to pray. We won't keep this going for the sake of it, but I do feel that there be, don't, be, don't be shy. Don't be worried about this. Come. And he'll pray and we'll pray. Okay? Let's worship him. Thanks. Thanks.